Doing the impossible is not something you make happen. It's something that you allow to happen. After conducting over 10,000 personal and group coaching sessions over the last decade, author and personal coach Jason Dries has unlocked the simple yet effective formula to accept and create success in your life on the most basic, instinctive level. In his latest book, Do the Impossible, Jason gives readers access to the same life-changing principles he provides in his personal coaching sessions. Ready to embrace success as a state of being? In this exclusive listener offer, get your copy of Do the Impossible for 50% off from the publishers at Bigger Pockets. To get your copy of Do the Impossible for 50% off any format, go to www.biggerpockets.com impossible50. That's 50% off any format, www.biggerpockets.com impossible50. Power blackouts. They happen every year, but guess what, blackouts? You've met your match. Say hello to Goal Zero, the leader in affordable home power backup systems and solar generators. Goal Zero's generators power your fridge, freezer, lights, Wi-Fi, TV, and more with clean power. Their home backup systems, like the Yeti 3000X, have no fuel, no fumes, no noise, and no maintenance. Just good, clean energy that keeps your home up and running. They offer a range of products and affordable price points, from power stations that can provide a half day's worth of power to solar generators and home backup systems that can keep you powered for one, two, or three days. Plus, they're all portable, so you can take your power with you when you go camping, tailgating, and more. So yeah, take that, blackouts. Our power is here to stay. Have peace of mind when blackouts hit. Go to GoalZero.com to learn more. Yeah, I've described it before as like a medieval-style battle uh, because it wasn't so much throwing blows or um, you know striking individuals as it was just uh, bodies pressed up against bodies and trying to use our own uh, physical uh, force and, and momentum to repel this uh, onslaught of insurrectionists. Welcome to Hard Brain with Donnie Deutsch. I am Donnie Deutsch, and this is the show dedicated to a simple premise that everybody and everything is a brand. Every institution, every religion, every product, every company, every celebrity, everybody is a brand. If you have a Facebook page, you're a brand. Uh, this is our first show of the new year. Uh, it debuts January 6th. Uh, which is, of course, a, a sad anniversary for this uh, country, which is obviously uh, it's been a year since the attempted coup at the Capitol, the insurrection, the the uh, frightening day. And we have a, a guest, a very uh, relevant guest, uh, police officer Michael Fanone, um, who was the police officer who was beaten within an inch of his life. Uh, you may have seen him on on TV and some of the news shows, and he's going to give us a, a, an inside play-by-play of that day, and it, it's horrifying. Uh, since that, since he's been uh, that police officer, just as of uh, this past December 31st, he announced he's leaving the force. He's going to be a CNN commentator, but I think you're going to have to listen to what he says. It's just, it's it's gut-wrenching, and, and uh, please, I, 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 I implore you to listen. But first, we're going to do our brands of the week. Uh, those are the brands that are kind of shaping the zeitgeist, who's up, who's down, who's shaping where we're going as a world, as a society, as a mass of humanity. Let's get right to it. First up, brand down for Republicans. 40% of Republicans say violence against government is justified. 
This is a Washington Post uh, uh, survey. One year after the deadly attack at U.S. Capitol, Republicans, Democrats are deeply divided with what happened that day. Uh, 34% of all Americans say violent action against the government is justified at some point. It breaks down that 40% of Republicans and 23% of Democrats. So almost one in two Republicans think violence is justified against the government. And we wonder why January 6th happened and we wonder why Donald Trump happened. No, we, we don't have to really wonder. Okay, brand down from Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, who wants to bar Democrats who move to red states from voting. So if you're somebody who's moving, uh, who's moving, two red states from voting. So for instance, if you move from California to Arkansas, she thinks that you shouldn't be able to vote for a period of time because you're just a plant. You're you're a blue person coming to a red state. Uh, as long as we're talking about Marjorie Taylor Green, huge brand down. She has been uh, suspended from uh, uh, Twitter permanently for spreading misinformation on uh, COVID. They permanently suspend their account uh, for misinformation about the vaccine. This is, of course, the woman that thinks the country should be divided in two and just a heinous individual. But Marjorie Taylor Greene, we will no longer be hearing from you from Twitter. And that's a good thing. A brand uh, up for J.P. Morgan Chase and Citigroup, two of America's biggest banks, returned to remote work to start 2022. Uh, Omnicrom is messing with the back to office plans. And these are two leading financial institutions. And, you know, these these were some of the folks that also basically were saying, you know, it's time to get back to work when it was time to get back to work. And now they're saying it's time to maybe not get back to work. So I give any companies playing an extra safe at this point. And I'm somebody who's come out in the show and talked a lot about how important it is to be at work. And sometimes we can over uh, codify our workers, but right now it, it's better to be safe, stay from home. Brand down for rapid at-home tests. The FDA says rapid tests at home have reduced sensitivity for Omicron. According to a warning issued on Tuesday, at-home rapid antigen tests have a reduced sensitivity for an Omicron. This flies in face of we've heard a lot lately on how, you know, the at-home tests now, these, 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 the most recent at-home tests are, are like 99% um, accurate. And now this flies in the face of it, particularly, particularly picking up on Omicron. So get those PCR tests. Um Brand down for New Year's resolutions. Uh, fewer Americans are making New Year's resolutions this year. That's interesting, coming off the year and the years we've had. Percentage of Americans who say they make New Year's resolutions for 2022 has dropped from the past two years. Just 29% of Americans say we'll be making New Year's resolutions down from 43% a year ago. wonder what the psychology of that is. That's, that's, that's an interesting kind of thing that um, we kind of coming off a, uh, a weird year, obviously still, you know, in the throes of, of COVID, uh, we, we came out of it, but less new, significantly less New Year's resolutions. That That's just uh, interesting. Speaking of brand down, 2021, half of Americans think 2021 was the worst year of their lives. Uh, the survey of a thousand adults conducted by one poll aimed to get to the end of the year reflection on many subjects and found that 53% found 2021 has been a very unpleasant year for them. However, seven in 10 still have high hopes that 2022 will be an improvement over the previous year. So I guess that's that's the same thing. When things are low, you got nowhere to go put up. But that's that's kind of sad that, that people are feeling that way. And, and no surprise, obviously, with what's going on. Brand up for minimum wage. More than half of U.S. states were raising a minimum wage in 2022. Um, but the good news also is employers are hiking pay faster. Um, 26 states... Uh, and Washington will raise their minimum wages. 
But only of them, only California and parts of New York will mandate hourly pay of at least $15. So New York and California are leading the charge. Wages and salaries increased for 4.2% for the 12 months ended in September 2021. You know, that's all great. And then you go to the stock market, it's up 20%. So, you know, the rich are still even getting richer, even though the wage is going, but that's still certainly going in the right direction. A big brand up for Chief Justice John Roberts, and it tells us something. He is, of course, uh, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Um, he tops all federal leaders in Americans' approval. Um, he has a 60% approval rating from Gallup and the handling of his role. Only two other leaders in the list are reviewed positively by majorities of Americans, the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, Jerome, Jerome Powell at 53%, and the doctor and Dr. Fauci at 52%. I think that what that says, it's interesting. John Roberts has, has, has really come across, he started out as a conservative judge. I'm not saying he's not a conservative judge, but that's his background. But he's been kind of split down the middle. He seems to be a voice of reason on the court, not necessarily just going ideologically each time with a conservative or a liberal bent, but but kind of just coming of the moment for what the issue is. And Americans responding to that. And I think that should tell politicians something that we don't want, you know, even forget what the media says and forget the polarization we see on Fox and on MSNBC. Then in reality, most of us are a wardrobe of different issues. We, we stand on different places. We're not completely red or completely blue. I know I'm not. Um, and it's interesting that he has the highest ranking of any public official. So no surprise there. Brand up for our new mayor in New York, Eric Adams. He's five or six days into the job. He's got a great energy about him. People love him already. Um, he says he will not be controlled by crises in his first speech. Um, he said the past two years have been a continual crisis. He says this will be our New Year's resolution. We will not be controlled by crisis. Um, He's a guy from Jamaica, Queens. He's a former cop, uh, former Brooklyn president. Um, he's just what the city needs right now. Um, he is, uh, he represents uh, a diverse city uh, as, as a black man. And he uh, just seems to have the right pitch for what the city reads now, a real cheerleader. I mean, this de Blasio was a very, very unpopular mayor in the show, came for a very good reason. A brand, um, I'm going to give him a brand up for Andy Cohn. On, on my friend Andy Cohn on New Year's Eve, he was hosting his show on CNN with uh, Anderson Cooper, and he got a little snookered, as they said. He said he had one too many, and he really went off on de Blasio, calling him the crappiest mayor in New York, and sayonara sucker, and like, Anderson Cooper was going like, whoa, buddy, slow down. You're not supposed to be doing this in this happy time saying, sign our sucker. And afterwards, Andy said that maybe he had a few too many libations uh, and he wouldn't have gone on that rant. But no, I'm no foul. Brand up for Spider-Man. Uh, it seems if the blockbusters are back, Spider-Man No Way Home, box office domination crosses over 600 million in North America. Um, and we haven't in a couple of years seen numbers like that. It's already crossed over 1.37 billion, making it 12th highest gross in movie of uh, all time internationally. It's going to continue to break records and it just shows, you know, people will come out for something special and Spider-Man seems to be something special. Brand down for Adele. I love Adele, but it's interesting. Her, her album sales in 2021 are down 82% from 2015. This is her first record since then. Uh, her 30 album was supposed to be a monster. So it turns out it's done well, but nowhere compared. 30 so 1.4 million copies from its release on November 19th. By comparison, her previous album, 25, sold 3.8 million in its first week, the same period. So a uh, big drop down, but Adele's still selling some, some music. Uh, sad, 
sad breakdown for Antonio Brown. You, you probably all saw it by now. The uh, Bucks receiver who, for whatever reason, uh, in the middle of a game, didn't like that he was being benched and just ran onto the into the end zone, took his shirt off, took his pads off, you know, uh, gave you know a peace sign to the crowd, the, the the opposing crowd, and just deserted his team. And of course, he was he was thrown off the team immediately after that. This is a guy who's had nothing but problems, and and he he needs help. Uh, and you know, sometimes talent with talent, we overlook things and you're not doing that talented player a favor. This man should have gotten help long ago. It was a very sad, sad display. Brand up for Walmart. Walmart drew one in four dollars and spent on click and collect. So that's people who are kind of buying online, but going to pick up. So everybody who bought online and picked up curbside in this country, that includes everything. One in four dollars went to Walmart. There you go. Uh, that's, tw- uh, that translates to an estimated, $20 billion in sales. Okay, what's the most world's, the world's most popular website? Well, it was Google, and it's been dethroned by TikTok. There you go. That's what you need to know about our world right now. The number one website <laughs> is TikTok. Here are the top 10. TikTok, Google, no, no, no surprises here. Facebook, Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, YouTube, Twitter, and WhatsApp. But TikTok is number one. Brand up for Jeff Bezos. Uh, he was spotted in St. Bart's and he's all buff. Now, I interviewed Jeff Bezos many years ago on my CNBC show. So, and he was kind of a dweeby guy, farthest thing from buff. Seems that $200 billion has kind of pointed him to the right gyms or the right trainers. And I think that does more for his brand. If you said to me, okay, Jeff Bezos, dweeby, $300 billion versus Jeff Bezos, buff, $200 billion, I think the buff $200 billion is better for his brand. It just, it just kind of is this, wow, this guy's kind of got it all going on. So good for Jeff Bezos. Got to love it. Chicken thighs. It seems if short supplies are a brand up for chicken thigh, thighs, which I love, short supplies are escalating the course of chicken breasts and wings or leading restaurants to add thighs to other dark poultry meat and other dark poultry meat to the menus and entrees. Uh, there's been a 15% in boneless thigh sales. So you're going to see a lot more boneless thighs in your chicken repertoires in restaurant than you will wings and breasts. And I'm a thigh guy. I mean that in terms of uh, chickens, of course. This is a kid show. Two great brand ups for two great Americans we lost this past week. Betty White, 99 years old. How do you not love Betty White? I have a personal experience, uh, wonderful experience Betty White. 1980, I went on the match game. Remember the match game with Gene Rayburn, game show? And it was like six celebrities and you'd try and match with one of them. And I matched the super match with Betty White, won $5,000 in 1980. That's a lot of money today, but that was a lot of money back then. And I got, and Betty White and I, we hugged and uh, boy, you just got to love Betty White. What can you say? And well, she re, you know, her brand was amazing. She, you know, people in my generation knew her from Mary Tyler Moore, Mary Tyler Moore show playing Suzanne Evans. And then she did a Snickers commercial in 2010 where she in a football and she was tackling people and uh, it or getting tackled, I forgot. And it kind of introduced to a whole new generation, but they ain't making Betty Whites anymore. So a huge brand up. And also to the great John Madden who passed away at 85. John Madden, uh, the, the greatest football uh, sports ca- sportscaster of all time. Of course, they have an, the entire game named after him, the Madden game. Uh, just a folk figure, beloved, great coach. Uh, and these are two great Americans that passed this great this, this past uh, week or so. So we salute them. And um, those are our brands of the week. Now let's get to our interview with uh, former, now former police officer Michael Fanone, who will give you a play-by-play of that horrific day in, in the Capitol as he was defending it and he almost lost his life. 
I want to talk to you about Indeed. And if you're doing any hiring whatsoever, you need to go to Indeed. There's so much going on in the world right now. You can't afford to miss a beat. With Indeed, hiring the right candidate for the first time is so easy. Your business can focus instead on making headlines. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Indeed hiring a partner that gets you what you really want, a short list of quality candidates as fast as possible because you can do it all. Attract, interview, and then hire all on Indeed. Don't struggle or you'll find your own quality candidates. Indeed can help you hire the right people right now. Look, hiring the right people is the most important thing you do. I ran a big business and Indeed is really going to help you. Partners we do on every step of the hiring process so you can find talent with the skills you need through tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. Thanks to Indeed's virtual interviews, you can message, schedule, and interview top talent seamlessly all in one place with Indeed. No need to install anything extra. Indeed's virtual interviews work from your browser. Interview virtually with no downloads, plugins, or purchases. You can do it all in one place with Indeed. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash onbrand. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash onbrand. Indeed.com slash onbrand offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm telling you, if you're hiring anybody, go to Indeed. Hey, I want to talk to you about Blinkist. Uh, if you're a reader and you like to read a lot and you like to get the biggest bang for your buck, Blinkist is where you go. Basically, in its in simplest description is you can get the entire essence of a book in, in 15 minutes. In other words, now you want to see a book because you don't really, really want to read it, but you want to kind of know what it's about to be able to talk about it. You get the whole thing in 15 minutes. On the other hand, if you're really curious about a book, but you don't know if you want to invest the time, you go through it. You, you don't have to go through the whole thing, but you get that in 15 minutes, you get the entire book. And I think for our kind of really quick generation today, it's really smart. Um, it's below some of the most popular titles in money and investments, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Think and Grow Rich, Your Best Year Ever, High Performance Habits, The Snowball, Unshakable. So let's say, oh, I heard Unshakable is really, really good, but I'm not sure if I want to invest hours into it. You give that 15 minutes, you get an essence of it, you either go more into the book or you go, oh, I, I got the book. So I think it's great. Other other business books, Seven Strategies for Wealth and Happiness, The Intelligent Investor, Money Master of the Game, The 10-Time Rule. This is a really cool thing. So I want you to go to Blinkist. Blinkist is here to empower people to grow personally and professionally by discovering content that inspires, motivates, and gives new perspectives on their lives and on the world in 2022. Blinkist has the perfect content to help you be a better, smarter, and more knowledgeable you in 2022. Right now, Blinkist is a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash Donnie to start your free seven-day trial and get 25% off Blinkist premium membership. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash Donnie to get 25% off and a seven-day free trial, Blinkist.com slash Donnie. I'm joined by uh, an American hero, uh, police officer, D.C. police officer, Michael Fanone. Uh, who uh, was one of the officers defending the Capitol on January 6th during the insurrection, one of the worst days in our country's history. Um, he almost lost his life. Um, I say hero, and I don't say it lightly, and I uh, because he was. And he was one of uh, 30 D.C. officers in a tunnel against uh, 10,000 people defending the Capitol, putting his life on the line. He did put his life on the line and has suffered since. Uh, we're going to hear his story today, and it's a privilege to introduce Officer Michael Fanone. Welcome, Officer. How you doing, buddy? How you doing, Thank man? you again. Uh, I appreciate you uh, having me on, um, but I, I don't know about the American hero part, man. That's quite a compliment, but uh, I, 
a little bit much for me. Well, it's 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 the truth, and and this country, most of this country feels this way. Um, how you feeling, first of all? I know you're back at work, not out in the field, but back at work. How you feeling? Uh, I mean, I'm hanging in there. Um, they, I, I'm kind of back to work. I'm I'm in. Uh, I'm still on limited duty. Um, so I'm not uh, not back to full duty yet, and they've got me in the IT department, which um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, Never saw myself as an IT guy, <laughs> but you, yet here I am. Yeah, you are. Okay, well, that's for now. Uh, and, and it's still service, and, and uh, you, will, you will get back in the field, and we will be a better country because of it. I, I want to uh, – people have obviously seen, or I would say the majority of our viewers have, have, have seen and heard the story uh, footage, whether it's watching on the news or HBO or any of the other documentaries. Um, but we'd love to hear it directly from you. Uh, about that day, that day that changed the course of American history, that day that you are and ever, forever uh, ingrained in as a part of it and on the obviously on the good side of things. So let's start with that morning. It's January 6th. You're an undercover her- um, narcotics officer. Uh, start your day for me. Yeah, so uh, that day started off just like pretty much any other. Um, I'm an early riser. I'm always training for hunting season. So I was up around 5 a.m., uh, went in. Uh, got a workout in, got back home and started to get my stuff together, um, getting ready for work. That was probably shortly before noon. I started getting phone calls and text messages from my partner, Jimmy Albright, who was communicating with some guys who were already at work, uh, who were just describing the crowd size at the uh, White House. Uh, And then I was also listening to some of the speeches that were taking place um, some of the rhetoric that was being used, I, I knew that uh, there was a, a strong potential for violence that day. And you went over there on your own. You were not instructed by a, a commander to go over. You you guys made the decision, all right, let's get the hell over there. That's correct. Um, again, uh, I work in a narcotics unit um, tasked primarily with investigating uh, drug trafficking and violent crimes. So. Uh, Crowd control is not exactly uh, something that's in our, um, you know, forte. But uh, I mean, we could tell how bad things were, um, and so we went. Quite a few officers self-deployed that day. So you pull up there. What, what do you What do you see? What do you what, What's you 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 pull up? What What is your first impression and image of everything? Uh, so. For people who aren't familiar with the Capitol complex, uh, there's an exterior perimeter that extends out several blocks. It incorporates not just the Capitol building, but also the House and Senate office buildings. Jimmy and I pulled up on the south side of the Capitol complex on, uh, I believe it was D Street. And um, there's barricades that are set up that prevent vehicular traffic from traveling any further north. It was eerily quiet. I mean, if you've ever been on the Capitol grounds, you know that there's always a lot of pedestrian traffic, people out there, people you know walking around. Uh, it's a busy place, and it was like a ghost town, at least on that portion of uh, of the capital. So we walked up on uh, South Capitol Street, passing Longworth House Office Building. Uh, it wasn't until we got up to Independence Avenue that we saw, you know, dozens upon dozens of police vehicles parked. Uh, we could see some of the exterior barricades 
which was really just that bicycle rack fencing that a lot of people may have seen in some of the video uh, from that day. It was toppled, uh, abandoned by police officers. And there were thousands of people kind of milling about, yelling, chanting, um, saying things like 1776 and which side are you on, calling us traitors. Um, we, uh, you know, we, we made our way through that, that group of individuals up towards the south side of the Capitol. Uh, entered the Capitol building from there. But once we got inside, we could see, uh, you know, officers that uh, many of which looked like they had been engaged in in some fighting. People were tired. But we could see uh, rioters, you know, roaming through the hallways, yelling, screaming, carrying a, what were they, what a variety were they of different. What were they yelling and screaming? Go ahead. Uh, more of the same. Yeah. Um, Trump 2020, uh, stop the steal, yelling out for uh, members of Congress. Um, just dumb shit. And what were they? What were they carrying? Some of the people at that at that point, what you saw. Uh, most of the people there were either wearing some type of you know, military styled clothing, whether it was camouflage gear. Some of them had on Kevlar helmets. Uh, Kevlar vests. Uh, there were quite a few people wearing uh, politically inspired uh, clothing, MAGA 2020, Trump 2020, things like that, carrying flags. I saw all types of flags sure. there, everything from uh, you know Civil War era flags, um, you know to uh, to Trump. Inspired sure, sure we saw. At that moment, did you know this? You were heading into violence. What was your instinct? What was your gut at that point? Uh, at that point, I just thought, uh, you know, there's a bunch of jackasses that made their way into the Capitol complex and they're running around like morons. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't see any violence until I got to the Lower West Terrace Tunnel. So take take us there. And, uh, so now you go to the now you. Yeah, so, so Jimmy and I are walking through the Capitol building. Uh, we made our way to the crypt which is uh, directly in the center of the Capitol, just beneath the uh, statuary hall. Uh, and I heard a distress call come out, a 1033 call from the Lower West Terrace Tunnel. And so uh, Jimmy and I got our bearings and we made our way down to the Lower West Terrace Tunnel. Uh, once I got there, that's when I realized, you know, how serious this event really was. Um, you know, the there were officers in there, only about I'd say thirty, maybe forty at the most, and um, they were fighting for their lives. And how big was the crowd? Yeah, I mean, it was a, uh, on the other side of that group of thirty or forty officers was roughly ten to fifteen thousand individuals who were trying to make their way into uh, the Lower West Terrace entrance. On uh, the significance of that tunnel. Um, that's where the president of the United States or the, the president-elect walks uh, when he's going to take the oath of office uh, at the inauguration. Uh, and so, again, we had about 30, 40 officers that were trying to hold back a crowd of thousands. Uh, and it was incredibly violent and it was ugly. 
Now, when you say violent, what did you? What was, what was the violence that you were witnessing? The first kind of your your first glimpse. You're there. You're you're kind of just trying to hold the line with with thirty other heroic police officers. And when you say violence, what 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 were up there? What did you see? I, as I said, we've seen different things on the body cam and we've seen footage, but I I just want to hear it from you. Uh, the first thing that I remember once I made it uh, down this set of stairs that leads to the Lower West Terrace Tunnel, uh, I saw a buddy of mine, um, Sergeant Bill Bogner who's an administrative sergeant. Uh, he used to work in my district and then was transferred to the academy, but he's an administrative guy and he had self-deployed. Um, he couldn't see anything. He had been sprayed in the face with bear mace. And I remember telling him that I was here to help. Um, and he told me that the guys that were out on the line, referring to those 30 or 40 officers out there, that they had been fighting for you know, the better part of uh, an hour um, I don't think he realized what time it was. In reality, they had been fighting for almost two hours unrelieved uh, against, you know, thousands of people. There was a set of double doors just beyond where Bill was standing. And uh, I could see through the glass panes this uh, residual of uh, CS gas that was still lingering in the air. It was like a cloud of smoke. Um, you know, we had been deploying CS gas, but also uh, members of the crowd had brought a variety of different types of chemical irritants that they were uh, spraying a against us. And what I later learned was there were actually individuals that had come with uh, gloves and, and oven mitts so that they could pick up these gas canisters when we deployed them out to the crowd and throw them back uh, so that the tunnel was just filled with gas. I didn't have a gas mask. Uh, my partner, uh, Jimmy, didn't bring his either. Uh, when I got into the tunnel, I saw Commander Ramey Kyle. Uh, Commander Kyle, uh, at that time, was in charge of our um, criminal investigations division. So he was the head of our uh, investigators, detectives units. He had also self-deployed that day. And he had taken command of the uh, West Terrace defense and of that lower West Terrace tunnel. He was giving out commands to the officers that were there, uh, trying to get them uh, re-energized and, and back into the fight, trying to um, maintain some degree of organization and order in an incredibly chaotic environment. And what was your first altercation, actual engagement with the crowd? What happened? Um, the first thing that I tried to do was offer assistance to the other officers that were in the in the tunnel. You could tell how fatigued, fatigued officers were. Uh, they looked exhausted. A lot of them were just being held up by the, uh, you know, other officers' body weight. Uh, and then as I made my way through the crowd to the front, the first thing that I attempted to do was close this set of uh, double doors that led directly out to the West Terrace. Uh, I remember yelling out to uh, these rioters in the crowd that uh, we had injured officers and I just needed to get these doors shut and all holy hell broke loose. Um, you know, I was face to face with dozens of guys dressed in uh, military style gear, uh, wearing gas masks that they had brought themselves, some that had been stripped from police officers. A lot of them had police gear. Uh, that they had acquired either was abandoned on the West Terrace or that they had stripped away from officers who were trying to prevent them from entering the Capitol. Uh, and they just started 
pushing forward. Um, yeah, I've described it before as like a medieval style battle uh, because it wasn't so much throwing blows or, um, you know, striking individuals as it was just uh, bodies pressed up against bodies and trying to use our own uh, physical uh, force and, and momentum to repel this uh, onslaught of insurrectionists. Did you think you were going to die at that moment? I don't remember thinking that at that particular moment. Uh, the only thing that I could think about was, um, you know, getting these people the hell out of this tunnel. Yeah. We started giving up quite a bit of ground initially. Um, and I don't know how, but, um, you know, that those 40 officers in there were able to summon the strength and start pushing back and repelling thousands of, uh, of rioters. And we pushed them back through that set of double doors all the way out through the threshold of the tunnel. Um, it was at that point that I was pulled by one of the, uh, one of the rioters off the line from that group of officers out into the crowd. Um, now I remember it happened so quickly and it was like getting knocked over by a wave and then just getting knocked down again and again and again until I was maybe 250, 300 feet out into the crowd away from the, uh, the tunnel. And I could hear people screaming out, you know, I got one, we got one. Individuals started uh, beating me from, you know, every direction. Uh, I was getting hit with hard objects, fists. Um, some guys did grab a hold of my gun. And people were yelling out, you know, get his gun, kill him with his gun. And then I remember uh, being tasered uh, over and over again, uh, just at the uh, base of my skull, the back of my neck, uh, below my helmet. And it was excruciatingly painful. And I remember uh, my biggest fear at that point was losing control of my weapon and having somebody take it away from me and use it against me. Um, I did think about using deadly force. Uh, I thought about, you know, specific members of the crowd who I felt had, uh, or, or were trying to kill me and that I was justified in using that level of force against them. Uh, and I also quickly came to the conclusion that, you know, Drawing my weapon, uh, it, it would it would have been stripped away from me and um, most likely used against me. Uh, my next option at, at that point was uh, to try to appeal to someone in the crowd, and I remember yelling out that I had kids. Um, shortly after that, some members of the crowd did uh, try to offer assistance. Uh, I remember people in the crowd literally fighting other members of the crowd to prevent them from uh, continuing to assault me. So it was, you really saw within the crowd, the kind of division that's, they were as, as disgusting as anybody was there, there. There were people there who were like, no, no, this is, this is not okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, everyone understands mob mentality and, and getting caught up in that. But when you're face to face with, 
um, killing a uh, an innocent person, which, you know, at that point, I no longer posed uh, any type of impediment to these individuals if they were trying to get into the Capitol building. Uh, it, sure, it certainly wasn't me out there alone that was going to prevent them from doing that. Uh, so assaulting me and potentially or, you know, killing me was nothing other than uh, murder. And um, I think there were people who uh, who realized that and um, and fought to prevent that from happening. What that happened? being said, there were still individuals in the crowd that continued to assault me. Uh, but I, I was uh, I did receive assistance, and um, eventually, officers were able to uh, to get to me and pull me back into the tunnel. You're, now you're in the tunnel, and you're 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 beaten, you're tasered. You're, do, you, do you remember your first thought at that moment? I mean, we, we just as you're there, and as you just kind of had lived through this hell. What went through your mind? Uh, well, the last thing that I remember was uh, somebody in the crowd asking me which way I wanted to go. I told them I wanted to go back into the tunnel, uh, back inside. Then I just I was unconscious. That's it. Uh, the next thing that I remember after that was waking up on my back. And uh, I remember asking my partner, Jimmy Albright, who was standing over top of me, if uh, if we took the door back. Well, that's, that's what you're concerned about. That's that's why I call you an American hero. So, you, you're now you end up in the hospital, and and you're watching the news in the hospital, and you're you're seeing commentators say certain things, and and what do you do? Um, I remember it was the first time that I turned on uh, CNN, probably in uh, man more than five years. I was a uh, Trump guy, loyal. I was a loyal Fox News uh, consumer. <laughs> Consumer's a and, good word. Um, it's a good word. Yeah. So I remember turning on uh, CNN, and at that point, there was a kind of a narrative that was going around talking about how law enforcement um, had used a disproportionate amount of force at the Capitol than, uh, than had been utilized over the summertime protests. And I was pissed. Uh, I remember listening to a lot of the commentators talk about how, uh, you know, there weren't very many arrests made at the Capitol complex compared to the amount of arrests that were made, obviously over the summertime. And, uh, I, I was like scrolling through my phone trying to find a contact number for CNN so I could get a hold of somebody and curse them out. Uh, and that's what I was doing from my hospital bed. Um, eventually, I did get a hold of some CNN producers and, and I was talking to people. And, and somehow I ended up um, getting a phone call from Don Lemon. And I had like a three and a half hour conversation with him just talking about the realities of. Uh, January 6th, you know, we, trust me, we used a hell of a whole lot of force that day. We, we used every ounce of force that we had. And, um, we didn't make a lot of arrests because we were fighting for our lives. There was no place to put them because there were no extra officers. Uh, this was not, you know, what I would describe as the controlled chaos of 
the summertime protests. Uh, this was a, a completely um, out of control event uh, in which police officers were really fighting for their lives, not just in defense of the Capitol complex and uh, the members and, and staff members that were uh, inside. They were fighting for their own lives. You, uh, I want to go to a moment a little, a little further in the future where uh, and you had obviously seen all the footage and you, 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 you gave your testimony and you, you've lived through this. But there was a moment you were sitting at a bar and you saw a bunch of images come up on television. You're amidst other people. Take, take me there. What happened? I had, um, after January 6th, this particular watering hole that uh, I frequented, um, we were, it was a, me and a couple other officers. We were sitting there watching the Don Lemon show. And it was the first time that my body-worn camera footage had been aired publicly. Uh, I had seen it you know, probably a hundred times. And um, not that I was numb to it, but I, I guess uh, I had never seen it in a public setting where other people could experience it alongside of me. And I just became incredibly emotional. Um, I mean, I broke down. This was the first for 20 minutes. This was the first time you had witnessed it with other people around you and you, you just yeah. let loose. Take me to what was going yep. through your, your head during the, um, the uh, hearings when certain Republican uh, politicians were in some way suggesting that you were anything other than a hero were, were, were suggesting that there were theatrics involved or I don't remember the exact words or did you want to just leap out of your seat and go after these guys and go like, are you fucking kidding me, man? I, I mean, this was life and death. Yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> uh, the thought has crossed my mind, but, uh, I mean, I, I understand the theatrics, uh, of this, you know, I, really like the politicization of this whole situation. I mean, I don't know how you don't like, I'm not trying to make this political. Um, I'm not here to argue policy. I'm just simply telling the facts of what happened on January 6th. And if that happens to um, cause some degree of discomfort to Republicans, yeah, I don't give a shit. That's your fault. Um, you know, you had an opportunity to embrace the realities of January 6th and, and you didn't do it and you opted for, you know, cover up and a lie, uh, and whitewash the events of that day. Um, you know, I, I don't understand, uh, well, I, I do understand that because they've chosen their political futures over, uh, you know, the future of this country. Mike, I know you've had PTSD and do you get in bed at night? Do you play this over and over in your head? How do you, how do you find a, I don't want to say a safe place for it, but a livable place to put this? So I'm very much at peace with, uh, with January 6th, the events of that day. I mean, I'm, I'm proud of the way that I performed and I'm proud of the way that hundreds of other officers performed that day. Um, and I'm also proud of everything that I've done since January 6th. Um, 
I mean, January 6th was tough, but, uh, you know, standing up in front of the entire country, I mean, at times in front of the whole world and talking about not just the events of that day, but uh, a lot of the struggles that I've had since then, that's, it's been hard. Uh, it's a, it's a difficult thing to do, but I know that, you know, there's hundreds of other police officers from January 6th and, and really just hundreds of thousands of um, Americans that were traumatized by the events of that day. I mean, you didn't have to be there sure. to experience the trauma of watching your fellow countrymen attack the Capitol building, um, calling for, you know, the hanging of political leaders or shooting uh, Nancy Pelosi in the head uh, to feel traumatized by that day. And we have the majority of a Republican Party that wants to kind of move on, nothing to see there. Michael, I ask my guests all this, the same question. I'm going to ask it and answer it. I'm not even going to wait for your answer. I always say to people, what's your brand? And the Michael Fanon brand, as I said, is hero. And it's been a privilege to talk to you today. Uh, I'm glad you're back at work. I know it's not exactly where you want to be at work, but it's a step. And um, good health, good fortune. And we're, we're, we're lucky in this country to have us work, have you working for us. Well, thank you so much. I, I do appreciate the opportunity. And uh, hopefully I'll see you again soon. You got it, man. Stay well. Hope you enjoyed it. That was a riveting uh, uh, interview with Fanon. Uh, and I wish him nothing but well in, in his new career. Uh, as a commentator on CNN, certainly safer. Uh, but we thank him for all his public service work. Um, that's it for today's show. If you have any, remember to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, any place else. Please rate, review, or subscribe and subscribe. And you can watch us on YouTube and please rate and subscribe there and give us your comments on YouTube. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week on Hi, this is Jim Jeffries. I have a podcast out called I Don't Know About That. Each episode is a different subject. We bring an expert on and I say everything I think I know about that subject and then they correct me. Join in, listen to the podcast, you'll have a laugh and you might learn something. Follow, rate and review I Don't Know About That with Jim Jeffries. Now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. You can also catch video releases each week on YouTube.